All right. Well, welcome to This Week in Hearing. I'm Sherry Eberts, co-author with Gail Hannon of Here and Beyond, Live Skillfully with Hearing Loss. And I'm going to be your host for this episode. Today, we have two terrific guests. First is Roy Smith, a CI-wearing singer, songwriter, and musician who represented the U.S. at an international music festival for deaf musicians this fall. And second is Johanna Boyer, Medell's musicologist and a researcher with a focus on music and cochlear implants. So thank you both for being here. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, uh, the pleasure is mine. Excellent. Well, today we're going to discuss a topic that is very close to the heart of many people with hearing loss, and that is music. And the way our ability to enjoy music and appreciate music sometimes changes when we use hearing devices. So I thought I'd start um, with you, Roy. And I know each person with hearing loss has a story. So do you mind sharing a bit of yours? When did your hearing loss start? And you know how did it progress? I'm not sure exactly when it started, actually. I was under the impression that I had completely normal hearing until... I was about 27 years old, and I found out by accident. I worked in a pollution control lab. There were some sound pollution guys who wanted to test their equipment, and they asked for volunteers with normal hearing. I volunteered and found out I didn't have normal hearing. So, uh, total surprise to me. I went to, I went to an ENT expecting to have wax cleaned out of my ears, and I found that I had sensory neural hearing loss. Um, both ears. It was expected to get worse. He told me I'd know when I needed hearing aids. So I was 27 years old. Well, that was very similar for me. I was in my mid-20s as well when I first noticed. I, I first noticed it, though. It wasn't like I went um, somewhere and, and they told me about it. I went to seek out some help, but that's that's very interesting because people sometimes have that wrong idea, right? That hearing loss is just for people of a certain age and it's obviously not. It can impact mm -hmm. people throughout the lifespan. So Roy, I know you had a really strong relationship with music your whole life, right? You really grew up with that. And I just was wondering if you could talk about what impact your hearing loss had on that relationship with music. And was there a point that maybe music, you know, fell out of reach to you because of your hearing loss? There was. Um, I was actually in a working band uh, when I was 27 and I was diagnosed. And the loss wasn't that bad yet, so I continued to play in the band. It was a, an acoustic band, not real loud music. So I was able to keep doing that for a couple of years. I joined another band, played Celtic music for a few more years. And I really began to lose the ability to hear music properly when I got my first hearing aid. At that point, you know what hearing aids are like if you have them? They're, they amplify high sounds in the 1,000 to 4,000 hertz range to make speech intelligible. I mean, that, that's their primary purpose. But in the process, music gets lost. At least it did for me. And... Um, after a year or two, when I realized I could no longer tune my instruments, I couldn't really hear the, the pitch accurately anymore. Uh, I couldn't understand songs I was hearing on the radio anymore. I just gave it up and put my instruments away and 
and have ordered my family not to play music in the house if I was around, because it was just a reminder, I guess. My, my daughter is still angry at me about that. <laughs> so how many years was that, that you were sort of struggling with um, I guess that loss, right? That loss of your enjoyment of music. You forbid people to, you know, to play it. I got my first hearing aid when I was 35, and I got my cochlear implants when I was 65. So 40 years of gradually declining hearing and ever more powerful hearing aids. Wow. Well, now that you have a CI, right, there's sort of a happy ending to this story. I have two. Two? Okay, two cochlear. Bilateral, yep. Excellent. Did you get them at the same time, or was there sort of some gap between that? No, I've I've heard of some real iron pants people that did that, but no, I got them at different times. Um, I got one um, in 2013 and the other about 14 months later in 2014. No, so that's pretty close together, though. That must have been quite the um, change for your brain, right? Because we hear with our brain. How did you manage that process? It was it was very interesting because I was able to understand speech at a very high level instantly. Mm. First one, I mean, I was activated. I heard every word that the audiologist was saying, every word that my wife was saying. We got in the car and drove home, and I could hear every word they were saying on the radio for the first time in probably 30 years. Every word. So it sounded strange. I mean, it, I, I called it a Greek chorus. It was six different people at different pitches talking in perfect unison, but I could understand it. And speech sounded normal within a few weeks. That's incredible. And I, I had been told that my instruments might all start sounding the same, like a synthesizer just or, or like chimes or something. So I was a little worried about that. And I, one of the first things I did when I came home from being activated was I pulled some instruments out and tuned them and played them. And now they sounded like they were supposed to, sort of. It was just, it was sort of instantaneous that the, the music once again sort of sounded the way you remembered it. Well, not exactly that, but it sounded massively better than it had with the hearing. I mean, I won't say it sounded, you know, perfectly normal again, because it didn't. I, I wouldn't want to give anyone the idea that uh, using a CI is, is like putting on glasses. The music sounded so much more realistic with the CI that all I wanted to do at that point was listen to speech. I listened to audiobooks and I listened to music probably for three or four hours a day. Wow. I listened to the sound of my own voice for about an hour a day, just reading magazines out loud to myself so that I could acclimate to the sound of my voice. And this, I think, is the secret to, the, to, to success with CIs, is taking the time to acclimate. Uh, I did it not because I'm a really determined person with a fabulous work ethic, but because it was all I wanted to do. I could hear again. I mean, it was this was so much better. Right. And my my other ear that had some remaining hearing was so much poorer with the hearing aid that I immediately stopped using the hearing aid and just decided to get the other side implanted as well. 
it was only a little bit better than the one I, I had had implanted. So it was an easy decision. And did you notice a difference between having sort of one implant versus two? Did that change your enjoyment of music or the way you could understand speech? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, I had gotten used to having just one for 14 months, but as soon as the second one was activated, it was just, uh, it was like Dorothy stepping into Oz, you know, and Technicolor, everything. It was just so much better. Um, I probably should have taken more time to acclimate to the second processor the same way I did to the first. But I acclimated to them both together, and it's been very successful for me. That's terrific. And I know that Johanna was sort of involved in that process with you. Is that right? Um, actually, not. No, not, no. Not that in the early process. Yeah. Um, after I was activated, I presented myself over, uh, over at the Menel lab in Durham, which is about 20 minutes from my house. And um, I met a fellow there named Bob Wolford, who was one of their software engineers. He's, he's now retired. And he introduced me to Johanna. And at that point, I was, I was being a guinea pig for Bob, and music was a secondary consideration. But when I found out Medell had a musicologist on staff, I became intrigued. And I just... I basically bowed down before her and I said, use me as your guinea pig. <laughs> that sounds changing. So, Johanna, what is a, a musicologist, right? I mean, I guess, it, it, can you explain what that is? It sounds like a fabulous job. Yes. So, um, uh, musicology is the scientific study of music and that can entail a lot of different aspects uh, there are different fields of musicology such as historical musicology systematic musicology and uh, ethnomusicology um, focusing on other cultures um, but i studied or my focus was historical musicology with a little bit of system systematic musicology so um, analyzing music, music theory, um, understanding a little bit the perception of music, how our brain works, um, what preferences humans have when it comes to music. And um, yeah, and after a, a basic uh, degree in musicology, then I uh, continued working and um, finished with my master's. And typically, uh, the longer you go on, the more specialized you get. And um, back then, when I, start, uh, when I studied musicology in Würzburg in Germany, I focused on theater work. I also started working at the theaters as a director assistant and also got to perform. And um, so my topic for my thesis was uh, children's opera. Children's opera? Yeah, or opera for children. Wow. Okay. That's fascinating. Good for you. And so how did, how did you find your way to Medell with, with all of this knowledge? Yeah. So that's then I guess the accident or the, the unique story behind that 
which is I became a cochlear implant chooser myself. So during my studies, when I was working on my master's, um, I lost my hearing in one ear due to meningitis, which was uh, compared to Roy, a sudden hearing loss, a profound hearing loss. Um, and so after recovering from the meningitis, I tried to learn more about hearing loss. I never really had looked into this topic before. I, you know, took hearing for granted. And so I, you know, quickly realized that hearing aids were not a solution for me since they amplify something that's still there. But uh, due to my profound hearing loss, um, there was nothing left. And so uh, we, uh, or I explored cochlear implants. And I have to say that I just got very lucky being um, at the right place at the right time. Because when you have single-sided deafness, at least at the time I became single-sided deaf, there wasn't much talk about cochlear implants for somebody that still has normal hearing in one ear. So I believe I was the fifth person in Germany that got implanted with a cochlear implant with still having one normal hearing ear. And now this is FDA approved in the United States. Um, and indications are overall growing and expanding. But uh, back then in 2009, when I became a cochlear implant user with the situation I was in, that was something really new. Well, that's terrific. And so how has you, how did you adapt to that? You know, sort of these two different streams of sound, right? Coming into your brain. How are you able to put those together and sort of make things sound unified, both for speech and then for music as well? Yeah, back then my surgeon told me that they weren't really sure what was going to happen. Um, if, you know, how would, so to say, the brain accept this other input and uh, could I reuse it? And I still, to me, this was a simple decision because to me it only could get better and not worse. Uh -huh. And so... Um, I quickly decided for it and I received a cochlear implant and I think the biggest benefit at the beginning was getting two ears. We already heard from Roy that getting the second implant was so much better and that's true for me as well. Um, you know, two ears and going towards binaural hearing is so important for um, gaining back um, speech understanding and noise to uh, be social again. And um, it also is so important for music to have um, depth and nuances available. And uh, as performer, yeah, have this binaural cues to perform with others, to be uh, really in tune. My intonation had suffered as a singer um, really drastically during um, while I was basically living with one ear. And so slowly I gained these um, skills back. It wasn't like turn it on and everything is 
back to normal. It, it was a learning process, but still at the beginning, the biggest benefit was just getting the second input and having nuances and depth and, and stereo and color instead of having everything in black and white. So. Terrific. Thank you for sharing that. So I know, Johanna, one of your primary roles is planning the International Sound Sensation Music Festival, and that sounds like a lot of fun. Can you tell us a little bit more about that festival? Yes. So our really main goal was to host the biggest ever music festival for hearing implant users and we wanted this to be global and local. We wanted this to be virtual and in-person. It sounds maybe difficult to realize that, but uh, we did make it work. And um, maybe uh, the people that know about Sound Sensation, the Metal Music Festival, they probably know about this virtual um, festival that happened uh, October 6th through 8th. But that was actually only the, how do you say, the, the cream on the cake or the tip of the iceberg. Because throughout the year, um, there were so many uh, activities and workshops and lectures in the different areas. Some were virtual, some were in person. And um, so, for example, we hosted a choir workshop for hearing implant users in Austria in June. There was a talent hunt in Spain and Latin America where uh, they promoted the music festival over social media and people were able to uh, uh, post and submit little contributions. And of those participants, um, some uh, winners were selected who got to participate in a music video. And uh, there are so many more stories and all of this basically uh, um, culminated in the uh, metal music festival that happened from October 6th through 8th, where we got to report about the activities where we uh, were able to host in-person, or not in-person, to host virtual but live workshops for parents, for users, for professionals. So we really try to reach out to the entire community and uh, at the very, very end, it all um, ended with the final concert that took place in Vienna, where Roy represented the U.S. And I think, you know, he can share more about how this experience was for him personally. But Roy and I, we know each other for quite some time and we have done music together. We have actually played together at the European Parliament. And um, so it was kind of just natural to think of Roy and ask him if he would be interested in going to Vienna and perform some of his music there. Yeah, so congratulations on that, Roy. That's pretty amazing to represent the U.S. at this large festival. Can you talk a little bit about how that felt and what, what did you play? What did you do? It, it, it was... I was deeply honored. Um, there's a, it, it's the sort of thing you can't say no to. I mean, it's the opportunity of a lifetime. The kind of music I play, I would call sort of um, new folk. Um, 
with an Appalachian kind of tinge to it. I play banjo and guitar. Um, for the Vienna concert, I played only guitar because it was only two pieces. Um, I performed with my wife, Janet, who plays the upright bass and has been my support through my deafness and my recovery from it for, I guess we're on our 46th year of marriage now. Um, and she's she was wonderful. She just, you know, she held up her half of the act really well. Um, it was an extraordinary experience. Um, meeting the other musicians was the best part. Watching them perform really well was extraordinarily good. But the best part was after the concert, we all went back to the hotel. It was probably oh, almost 11 o'clock by the time we got there. The bar was closing at 11 o'clock, sadly. <laughs> so we took over the lobby and we went into the little you buy it store in the lobby of the hotel and bought beer and wine for everybody and sat and talked among ourselves until three o'clock in the morning. It was, I mean, we all became mates, I would say, just good friends. Just what was your experience like? What's it like for you? How, how do you do this? How, how hard was it to get back on top of music? Um, what problems do you still have? How are you fixing it? Um, the great exchange of information, camaraderie. Several people showed up who were in the audience who were also implantees and musicians. And they shared their stories. It was just, it was fabulous. It sounds amazing. And just, you sort of created not only this beautiful music, but you created this beautiful peer group right now that you have sort of to support one another and to showcase your talents to one another and, and hopefully play again together at some point. Do you have additional plans to do that? I don't know if that's something in the cards. And actually, it stimulated me to start doing home recording, which is why I bought this fancy rubber band suspended microphone that I'm using. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to be involving my daughter this time. She has got a wonderful contralto voice. And my wife, who is a second soprano. So we'll be doing some three-track sing-alongs and uh, just something to, something to remember us by. Fabulous. Well, please let us know when these are available because I would love to share it with everyone. I'll be happy to do that. Yeah. So I think we have time just for one final question. And this, I guess, is for both of you. If you have any advice that you would share for other people with hearing loss that can help them stay connected and continue to enjoy music. So maybe, Johanna, do you want to go first? Okay, so I think, first of all, I would like to share that um, all the content from the Medell Music Festival Sound Sensation is still available. So if you are a candidate maybe for cochlear implants or you're a hearing implant user, I really encourage you to check it out. I'm sure we can provide maybe the, the, the website or the link to the website. If not, if you just search for Medell and Sound Sensation, it will most likely pop up as the first search in Google. Um, I've heard from many other candidates that 
looked at different um, stories and little concerts and activities we did that it's very inspiring and motivating. And I think as cochlear implant users or as a candidate for cochlear implants or any other type of hearing implant, we do always need some encouragement and motivation. It's, you know, not as simple as that. And um, second, or the second thing that I think is very important is to talk about music um, takes training and practice, and uh, it also takes some time. And um, when I personally practice for music with my cochlear implant alone, um, I did some practice for the purpose of practice, but then I also just try to enjoy it, um, try not to overthink it and focus. And um, I think in general, that's probably not just true for music, but in general, on the way of your journey with hearing implants, cut yourself some slack. That's great advice. Roy, do you have anything to add to that? Um, I can amplify one of Johanna's points, okay. which is the acclimation. The brain is an amazing organ. It gets used to all kinds of changes and it's designed to do that when you first start using a cochlear implant things are going to sound strange but the brain adapts astonishingly quickly keep at it don't give up don't don't think that it'll always be like this it won't it will continue to improve gradually but it, it's kind of like the stock market some days yeah. some days are bad but the general trend is usually to get better. And during a boom. <laughs> yes. Sorry, I interrupted you, Roy. But what I wanted to maybe add at the end is, and I think I can, you know, speak for Roy and myself, is that um, if you have questions, we are always happy to connect. As a user, or of course, Medell is here as well. For you, we have an amazing support team, um, engagement managers that are happy to hear from you about questions. And I've been in contact with many uh, hearing implant users that uh, want to practice music, musicians or non-musicians, people that are just interested in music. And we're happy to uh, give some tips and um, point you to the right resources based on your current status. So, um, and Medell, we also have the Hear Pierce community. I believe, Roy, you are a member of that. So we have so many people that you can reach out to with your questions. So come up and let us know. That's terrific. Well, I thank you both so much for joining me today. I definitely learned a lot, and I'm sure everyone who listens to the podcast will as well. And I really wish you both continued success in your own hearing loss journeys and your relationship uh, with music, of course. And to learn more about the Sound Sensation Music Festival, you can visit the website, which is hearlife.medel.com backslash campaigns, backslash sound dash sensation. 
So thank you both again. Uh, this was a great conversation.